Well, good morning, faith family. I want to say hello to those gathered in Lakeville. Invite all of you, if you would, to turn to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20 this morning, we are continuing in our summer series looking at the Ten Commandments. Every week, we're taking one commandment and just trying to unpack that and understand it. But we're also asking a very different question, and that question is, how does Jesus uh, change this commandment or transform this commandment, which I'm arguing is the only way you can actually understand the Ten Commandments as a Christian. If the Ten Commandments are nothing more to you than a list of things you must uh, do or not do, or it's your basis of being a good person, you won't understand them correctly. We need to view them through the lens of the gospel. And so that's kind of what we're asking uh, this series. And this morning we come to the fifth commandment here in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And I'll invite you, if you're able, in uh, all of our locations to please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. One simple verse, super short sermon. Like that's all, that's how it should translate. Doesn't always work that way. This is a very, very important commandment as they all are. Let's look at it. Exodus 20 verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Would you pray for me and with me now as we ask God to teach us through his word? God, thanks for the, the gift of being here together today. The, it's always a joy to be in your word. These words are words of life. Um, and it doesn't matter what the topic is. It doesn't matter what the issue is. You have a word to say to us today. And I pray that you'd give us ears to hear, hearts to receive your truth all to the glory of Jesus. And we ask it in his name and God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I will never forget the day my college public speaking class was silent. It was my freshman year. It was one of the first courses that I had enrolled in. Uh, and it was the very first day of class. We were all there eager to learn. And in walks the professor into the auditorium with about 150, some 200 students there. And the first thing she said was, I want everybody to stand up and take out two sheets of paper. That, that was back in the days when they used paper. All right. And uh, so I'm thinking, oh, no, first day of class, there's already a quiz. How can this be? And so I stood up, I took out my two sheets of paper and we listened for the instructions. She said, I want you to take the first sheet of paper and I want you to write on there the name of someone that you don't like. I want you to put it on the floor. And when I count down from three, when I get to zero, I want you to stomp as hard as you can on that name. Wasn't hard for me to think of somebody I didn't like. So I wrote down the name, put it on the floor. She went three, two, one zero. And that auditorium sounded like a stampede of cattle rushing through. Everybody stomping, everybody's yelling. It was loud. And then she said, I want you to take out that second sheet of paper and I want you to write this on it. She told us what to write. She said, same instructions. I'm going to count down from three. And when I get to zero, I want everybody in the room to stomp on that name. Three, 
two, one, zero. And that auditorium that had just sounded like the herding of cattle was as quiet as a surgical waiting room. There was no sound. There was no stomping. Everybody was just kind of looking around, not quite sure what to do because what was written on that second sheet of paper was the name of our mothers. And I remember that moment. I remember it vividly. I remember thinking, here you have some 200 college students from 200 different families, 200 different backgrounds and experiences with parents, and yet not a single one, at least on that day, was willing to stomp on the name of their mother. And when my mom watches this sermon, she's going to be so proud of me, right? (laughs) You know, the truth of the matter is, faith family, there are positions in life that even if your experience with the person in that position is negative, the position itself is still worth honoring. For example, I believe as a Christian that we ought to honor the office of president regardless of whether or not you like who's in the office. I believe we ought to honor the military even if you may disagree with a particular war. I believe we ought to honor a judge, even though you may disagree with a particular decision. I believe we ought to honor people like teachers, even if it's not your favorite class, even if they're not your favorite teacher. And the reason is, is because regardless of the person, the position itself brings with it a responsibility, a weightiness that deserves your honor. Let me give an example of this in the scripture, and and I hope that you will trust me that I'm not being self-serving, but but the the scripture makes it clear what I'm talking about here. It's, It's Hebrews 13 verse 17 says, obey, which is a part of honoring, obey your leaders and submit to them for, here's the reason, for they are awesome. And God's people said, It's sad how bad you whispered that, amen, or whatever. That's not what it says. Like, honor them through obeying and submitting, not because they're awesome, not because they're likable, not because they're smart. Here's why. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. In other words, the command isn't based on relationship, that is, whether or not you like them or whether or not they're likable. The command is based on the responsibility that they have been given. In the same way, faith family, there are positions in life, whether we like it or not, whether we like them or not, there are positions in life that demand, I would go so far as to say, command our honor. That is exactly what we find in the fifth 
commandment. Look at it again in verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, everybody right here, Lakeville, everybody listen, I understand when you read a verse like that, it stirs up all kinds of emotions. There are some of you here, when it comes to family, when it comes to mother and father, your experience has been very positive. And so a lot of the things that I'll say today, you'll have no problems with whatsoever. Others of you, it is a very mixed bag. It's been up and down and difficult days and great days. And there'll be some things that we'll talk about today that are going to be hard to hear. But others of you, I know this is a sore spot. This is a sore issue. This is a very difficult thing in your life when you think about family, when you think about father, when you think about mother. So what I'm asking today, what I'm pleading for today is some grace. Will you give me some grace? Because I got about 3,000 people walking in here today, and there's 3,000 different experiences. And so what I'm going to do today is not try to uh, uh, bend to every single situation. What I'm going to do is just try to preach the Word of God and ask you to be gracious in what God has given me to say. Let's look first here at what this commandment means. And, and, and what I want us to see here is the importance of it. It is a very, very important commandment for at least three reasons. First of all is remember that this commandment is given in the context of a covenant with God. Don't Pull the Ten Commandments out of its context. God is bringing them up out of Egypt. God is entering into a relationship with them. He is making them his people. He is entering into a covenant with them. In fact, if you go back in Exodus 19 and verse 7, the Scripture says, Moses came and called the elders of the people, set before them all the words that the Lord had commanded them. And the people answered together all that the Lord has spoken. Now say this next phrase with me. All that the Lord has spoken we will do. Does that sound familiar? It should. Sounds really familiar to me because I've done about three weddings in the last three weeks, okay? Now that's exactly what's going on here. You have vows. You have a commitment that's being made here. This is what the Lord has commanded. I do is what Israel is saying. They are entering into a covenant, a relationship with God. That's really important. Here, here's why. Everybody look right here. The reason why you've got to remember that context in the fifth commandment is for this reason. It means that honoring parents has less to do about your relationship with your parents and more to do with your relationship with God. You say, yeah, but pastor, you, no, 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 that's not the point. There's no but here. It is honor your father and your mother. It is your responsibility in relationship to God. Has nothing to do with whether or not they deserve it because guess what, friends? God does deserve it. Amen? Don't forget, don't take this commandment out of its context of how you worship and relate to 
God. Secondly, we know this commandment's very important because of where it falls in the list or the placement of the commandment. Most of you probably know this. The Ten Commandments tends to get broken down into two sections. The first four uh, dealing with one's relationship with God, your vertical relationship, and then the last six dealing with your horizontal relationships with your fellow man. In fact, Jesus kind of summarizes this. You remember this in the New Testament when Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your, say it, neighbor as yourself. If that's true, and it is, if that's how we ought to view the Ten Commandments, and here's what that means. It means that honoring father and mother is the transitional commandment from God to others. That is the bridge relationship between your relationship with God and your relationship with others, your relationship with neighbor, is your relationship with parents. Of all the relationships God could have put in the transition, he puts father and mother. That ought to tell you how important this commandment is. Is. Thirdly, the reason why we know this commandment is so important to God is because of the seriousness of the consequences of violating it. If you go one chapter to Exodus 21 in verse 15, the Bible says, whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. <laughs> exactly. Some of you are, I'm writing that verse down, right? Can we just go Old Testament for like five seconds, all right? Or what about this one? <laughs> this verse is awesome. Proverbs 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. I have never seen that verse on a Christian coffee mug, ever. <laughs> Somebody please make that coffee mug. I will drink from it. I am certain we are not making our Awana cubbies memorize that verse. If we were, I would have heard it from my children, I assure you. I mean, we read verses like this. You got to be kidding me. By the way, I love that it's in the Bible. I just love it. But why? Why is it so serious? Why is God giving such serious consequences to the violation of honoring father and mother? Have any of you ever wondered this? By the way, this isn't the first commandment I've shown you that comes with the death penalty. How many of you have ever been asked, like first, you've wondered yourself, or secondly, you've been asked maybe by critics, how in the world can you believe in a God? How in the world can you believe in a Bible where things like this are in it? You ever had that question? If not, cheer up, you will, unless you don't have a conversation with anybody who asks questions. You will get asked this, particularly things like uh, honoring your father and mother, uh, 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 adultery, homosexuality. These things in the Old Testament came with the penalty of death. Have you ever wondered why? And, and what would your answer be? What would your answer be? Would it be, well, I don't really follow the Old Testament anymore? That's a terrible answer. Just cut out half the Bible and say, I don't believe in that anymore. Not a good answer. Here's a better answer. This is the answer that I will often give people when they come to me and say, I've been asked this. What do I say? And it doesn't mean that everybody will buy it, but here's what I believe is the biblical answer. Are you listening? 
God is bringing a Savior into the world through the nation of Israel. Is everybody with me? Lake Bill, you with me? That's very clear in the Old Testament. God has chosen the nation of Israel, and through them, He is going to bring a Savior into the world. Listen, if marriage and family fall apart in Israel, there will be no Israel. And if there is no Israel, guess what? There will be no Savior that comes into the world. Meaning that God, through commandments with severe consequences, is preserving a people in order to provide a Savior. That's a good answer. Not, well, I don't really believe in the Old Testament anymore. The answer is, yes, God is giving severe consequences to sin because he wants to preserve his people. Why does he want to preserve his people? Because he's bringing a savior into the world. Think of it this way. Notice it on the screen. God in the Old Testament commands death for certain sins in order to bring salvation for all sins. That's what God is doing, which is why when Jesus comes, guess what we no longer have today? The death penalty for those sins. Do you know why? Because we've already had the death penalty for those sins. It's called the cross. The final death penalty has been served in Jesus Christ. It is why, though the law came through Moses, it is grace and truth that comes through Jesus. Now, that was all free and shouldn't count towards my time, okay? That was a little side note because people, when you come across those consequences, are always like, that sounds really severe. Why? Well, there's why. Now, let's step back into our conversation and say, all I'm trying to say to you is the commandment, the fifth commandment, is very serious because it's in the context of a covenant. It's placement within the commandments and the consequences that were given if you violated it. Point Breaking the fifth commandment is not about whether or not you have good or bad parents. It's not about whether or not you have moral family values. It's not about social flourishing. It's about God. Honoring father and mother is honoring God. Or one of the ways you honor God is by honoring father and mother. Now, this gets picked up in the New Testament as well. Quickly, Romans 1 verse 28 Paul says, since they did not see fit to what? Acknowledge God. God gave them up to a debased mind to do whatever ought not to be done. And then he's going to give a list of all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, uh, envy, murder, strife. And then look at verse 30. Slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. Now, everybody say this one, disobedient to parents. Do you see the connection? When they did not acknowledge God, they disobeyed parents. When they had no honor for God, they didn't honor father and mother. You must realize how important this is because it has everything to do with God. Now, what does it mean to honor? This word honor is the word kabod. Everybody, Lakeville, everybody say it with me. Kabod, right? You try it again. Kabod, you sound so smart. 
Just drop that at parties is a little Hebrew word of the day. It just means weight or heaviness. It's actually where we get the word glory. So to honor somebody simply means this on the screen. To honor someone is to recognize the weight or the responsibility that they've been entrusted with. Again, it's not about whether or not you personally like them. It's you recognize the responsibility they've been given, which is why it doesn't matter who you are or what circumstances you're in or what kind of parents you have. You can at least do that. You can at least honor. Now, there's some ways in which we can express honor. So let's just time out for a minute. Very practical things that I want to give you for just a moment, okay? Practical ways that we can honor father and mother. First of all, um, as a uh, child, I think one of the ways that we show honor is just obedience. Obedience. Um, You may not always understand why, yet you are called to obey, as long as it's not an issue of sin. Uh, One of the ways that we honor our parents is being respectful. Even if you disagree with them, doesn't mean you have to be a jerk. Stop pointing, all right? Uh, How you approach them, the things that you say, the way you say what you say matters. At least show respect. Uh, Thirdly is grace and forgiveness. I don't know if you know this, but parenting is not easy. So I'm going to try that again. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but parenting is not easy. It was a little better. Like of all the things you ought to amen, amen that, right? It's just not. And I know, for instance, when I was growing up and, and even today, it's easy to kind of look at your parents and kind of think, man, I just can't wait till I, uh, I'm in that role or I can't wait to well, be careful. All right, be careful. When that day comes, you may realize it's not quite what you think. And some of you had very idealistic expectations that weren't fair. And some of your, listen, some of your parents have sinned against, let me rephrase that, all of your parents have sinned against you. Forgive, show grace, honor them by forgiving them. Listen, here's one reason why you won't be free until you do. Another way that we can show honor is to care for them in their old age. Uh, I think more Eastern cultures get this better than many of us in the West. Um, where caring for the elderly is very important. Uh, That's very biblical. Read the book of James, caring for not just orphan, but widow, taking care of the older women, the older men. This is a way in which we show honor because of all that they have invested in us. Another way we honor is by gratitude. And even if you say, I don't have a lot to be thankful for, well, at least be thankful for the little you have. And express that because um, inexpressed gratitude is ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude is ingratitude. Some of you today, you need to have that phone call. Some of you today need to walk across that street and have that conversation. Some of you simply need to say, thank you. Thank you. Honor your father and your mother. And then lastly is seek their wisdom. There are other ways, but these are just a few. Seek wisdom. Listen, in just a few weeks, I'm about to turn 25. Um, 
And <laughs> I wish. Uh, and still to this day, I will call up my dad and I will just ask for input. I'll ask for wisdom. And it can be for the most simplest, uh, everyday kind of thing. Like they're running this deal on tires. Do you really think that's a good deal on tires? I mean, whatever. Because I just want him to know he still matters. He still matters in my life. And the divine call of God may have sent me to the frozen tundra, but He still matters in my life. Though I may be away, He's still a part of my life. Seek their wisdom. Seek out what they think, right? Even if you don't end up doing it, genuinely want their input. Because Proverbs calls us to seek the wisdom of a father and a mother. And by the way, another quick note we'll move on is um, uh, parents, if you don't give honor, you likely won't ever receive honor. Why? Because you're imaging for your children this very commandment. And so if, for, well, there are other reasons, but one of the reasons to give honor is that you will model an example for your children that whether or not they deserve it, we honor nonetheless. Honor your father and your mother. Now, obviously, I don't have to spend a lot of time on how we have violated the fifth commandment. Uh, all of it, there's no such thing as a perfect child. There's another good place to amen, right? How many of you have perfect children? There's another commandment on lying, all right? We'll get to that one later. All of us know there's no such thing as the perfect child. We have all violated this commandment. In fact, of all the commandments, it's probably the easiest to prove that we have fallen short of it. And if you don't have examples, call your parents up. They will give you plenty of examples where you have violated this commandment. There are 8 million assaults a year in the U.S. on parents by their children. We see disrespect uh, all across social media. We have all seen and we have all been that rebellious kid at the grocery store. And you ought to hear, you ought to hear what sometimes I hear as a pastor behind the scenes at at a funeral, where people will stand up publicly and honor a parent, while privately they just ripped them apart. We have all violated this, and because that is so obvious, I want to spend a little more time on the other side of the coin. The, the how we dishonor parents, I think, is obvious, but there is another way in which you can twist or violate the fifth commandment. That is, not just by dishonoring father and mother, but listen to me, Minnesota, idolizing father and mother. You say, where do you get that? Well, I'll show you both in this commandment and in the Old Testament. I get it from, in verse 12, the last phrase, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, hang with me. I'll make the point. God gives an incentive here that one of the reasons to honor father and mother is because your prosperity in the promised land depends on it. God is not saying that this guarantees that you will live to the ripe old age of 80 or 90. He's simply saying, if you want to survive as a nation in the promised land, then this is foundational to how you must live. Here's the problem. You ready? Israel saw this as um, uh, the source of their stability because God had given this promise. And so just like the Sabbath, they twisted it into more where family became everything. 
If you didn't have family, you were a loser. You were a nobody. Let me give you just one example, though I could give you several in the Old Testament, where family became the source of identity. Ruth chapter 1 and verse 11, do you remember Naomi? Naomi's lost her family, her husband, her sons, and she says this, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Watch. If I should say I have what? Hope. In other words, I don't have hope. But even if I should say that I do have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Look at me. I'm nobody. I am a loser. Why? Because I don't have family. Israel idolized family to the point that it became their source of security and identity, and we do the exact same thing. In fact, I would tell you, though this is true in other parts of the country, that as I have lived now for a few years in Minnesota, I have discerned that family is one of our biggest idols. It's one of the biggest idols living here. That family is our identity. It's everything. We live in fear that something might happen to our family. We draw our identity from it. Are you a good mom, a good dad, a good kid? Uh, the failures of your parents or your failures as a parent control you. You're very critical about other families because they're not like yours. You brag more about your family than you do Jesus. Your family calendar dictates everything in your life. You feel like a loser because you're not a mother or a father, and you've let divorce become your forever identity. And I could go on and on. What I'm saying is that, listen, there are two roads that violate the fifth commandment. One is the flat-out dishonoring of father and mother, which we have all done. But the other road is idolizing father and mother, where family is everything. And if something goes wrong, it crushes you. And in that, you've actually not just violated the fifth commandment, you've violated the first commandment because you're not supposed to have any other gods before him. So what are we to do? What are we to do? I'm glad you asked that question. This reality of dishonoring parents and idolizing parents is why we need Jesus. In fact, I would submit to you that if you don't understand those two roads of violating the fifth commandment, that is dishonoring father and mother and idolizing father and mother, you won't understand how Jesus transforms the fifth commandment. When you come to the New Testament and you look at how Jesus addresses the fifth commandment, it's very, very hard to understand on the surface because on one hand, Jesus seems to be very serious about this whole honoring father and mother thing. And on the other hand, he seems to be very loose about this honoring father and mother. It's not always easy to pin Jesus down, is it? And that's certainly true with this commandment because there are examples where Jesus upholds the fifth commandment like uh, Luke 2 verse 51. And Jesus went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them, that is, to his 
parents. That's towards the beginning of his life, the latter part of his life, John 19, verse 26, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. You have to understand, Jesus is dying on the cross when he says that. Like of all the things I'd be thinking about, honoring father and mother would probably not be one of them. And yet Jesus, as he's dying on the cross, wants to make sure that mother is cared for. Mother is honored. And one more example, we don't have time to go there, but jot down in your notes, Mark chapter 7, where Jesus is going to rebuke the Pharisees because they're calling things, their possessions, Corban. All that means is that they're marking it off for God. And Jesus knows their heart, and he's saying, what you're doing is you're marking off all these possessions and saying, well, that's for God, and that's for God, and that's for God. Why? So that you don't have to use them to care for your father and mother in their old age. And he rebukes the Pharisees for not obeying the fifth commandment. So in one sense, it seems that Jesus is very pro-fifth commandment, and he is. And then you read things like this. Matthew chapter 8, verse 21. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. That's a good thing. That's an honorable thing. That was a way in which they would show honor in the ancient Near East. And yet Jesus said to him, follow me. I can't believe this next statement and leave the dead to bury their own dead. How insensitive could you be, Jesus? Here's a guy who wants to do something honorable for his father, and you're saying, let the dead bury their own dead. You follow me. Or, just a couple of chapters later in Matthew 10, verse 34, Jesus says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his, talk to me, and a daughter against her, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Verse 37, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. I don't understand Jesus. Anybody feel the tension like I do? There are just clear passages where Jesus upholds the fifth commandment, and there are clear passages where it seems he's saying, violate it. Don't go bury your father. Don't go honor your father. Follow me instead. How do we reconcile this? How does Jesus, listen, Jesus is doing something here that is transforming the way we think about the fifth commandment. And here it is. Everybody with me? Everybody up there with me? Lakeville, you with me? Okay, here's the answer. Jesus wants you to honor father and mother, but he doesn't want them to be the basis of your security and identity. Jesus wants you to honor your father and mother, but he doesn't want your family, particularly father and mother, to be the source of your security and identity. So say it this way, the security 
of the fifth commandment, Jesus is saying, can only be found in Jesus, not your father and mother. This is why he keeps turning you away from those loyalties, from family to faith. It's why he says to the rich young ruler, sell everything that you have, because he knows that what his heart wants most is possessions, but what his heart needs most is him. It's why he'll say to the man that wants to bury his father, follow me, because he knows what his heart wants most is to honor father, but what his heart needs most is a new family, an ultimate loyalty, a lasting identity. That's why Jesus is constantly calling people away and turning son against father and daughter against mother because he's inviting you into a family that your family can't compete with. John 1 verse 12, but to all who receive him, that is Christ, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become, say it loud, children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus is calling you in to an ultimate family, a a family that can actually give you what your family can't give you. Do you see? One more example of this, Matthew 12. This is so, so profound in what Jesus says here. In chapter 12, verse 46, it says, While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak with him. Hey, Jesus is in there. We'd like to talk to him. Well, who are you? His mom, right? I have access. We're his brothers. We're his family. We want to talk to him. So here's what happens. Verse 48. But Jesus replied to the man who told him this, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? They say they are. (laughs) Jesus then, stretching out his hand towards his disciples, said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Do you see what he's done? I have brought true family. The family of God, the very family that you thought could bring you security, the very family that you thought could bring you identity, you won't find it through obeying the fifth commandment. You will only find it in following me. And secondly, that doesn't mean you shouldn't still honor your father and mother. But it's changed in this way. Now the strength to obey the fifth commandment is found in the Lord, not in the law. Following the commandment proved failure. But in Christ, you now have the strength to honor. Let me show you how Paul does this and then we're done. Um, Ephesians 6, verse 1, watch the phrase that Paul adds. He says, children, obey your parents, what? In the Lord. In the Lord, for this is right. And then he goes to quote the fifth commandment. You can't do this according to the law, but you can do this in the Lord. 
That's beautiful. I hope what I said the last few minutes has made sense to you. Because what it means is you don't have to look to mom and dad. You don't have to look to family to be your source of identity and security. Only Jesus does that. And it's when you find your identity there that you're actually free in the Lord to honor mom and dad regardless of how honorable they are. That's how Jesus transforms this. So here's the summary. This is the much shorter version of the sermon that you would have preferred to have. The commandment to honor father and mother is very important, a very important commandment for Israel and for us. Amen? Because it was part of a covenant, critically placed in the ten, and it came with serious consequences. The problem is... We either don't honor as we should or we idolize as we shouldn't. And that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need Jesus. Because in Christ we find, are you listening? In Christ we find the true family we need and the ability we don't have. In Christ we find the true family we need and the ability we don't have. Today, maybe you're here and you're thinking, you don't have any idea the situation I'm in. You don't have any idea how difficult it is to do what you're calling me to do. To honor my father and mother would be unbelievably painful. It would be like going through, I don't know, a crucifixion. And to you, I'd say, then you're not alone. Look today to Jesus. Look to the gospel. Look to the words that Jesus said in John chapter 12 and verse 27 when he said, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, Kabod. Father, honor. Father, glorify your name. Faith family, in the most difficult situation ever, namely the crucifixion, Jesus refused. Praise God. He refused to stomp on the name of his Father. Instead, he honored it even to the point of death. And that's really good news for broken families like ours. Because it means that because he honored his father, you and I today, by his grace, can cry out, Abba, Father. You and I can be a part of the family of God. And God's people said, Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us this morning. Thank you for the good news of the gospel. And I know that there are many in this room that this has been a very difficult topic to think about. Others in this room, this is a very joyful topic to think about. And yet, all of us need to understand it's not about us. It's not about the situation we're in. It's about the one we're in relationship with. It's about you, God. And this is a command, a calling you've placed on our life that 
glorifies you. It honors you ultimately. And we thank you for how Jesus gives us the ability and the the freedom to actually do what you've commanded us to do. If there's somebody here today and they don't know you as Abba Father, regardless of the relationship they have with an earthly parent, they don't have a relationship with a heavenly parent. I pray that today that they would turn from their sin and put their faith in Christ. Others in this room, today there needs to be a phone call. Today there needs to be a conversation. Today there needs to be a I forgive you. You know every heart, every situation, every need. So speak to us now by your spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you-